Welcome to this happy podcast. I'm your host, Matt Palmer, joined by my fellow Mouseketeers and co-hosts, John Grosso and Paul Jarzembowski. This week, we're discussing what's on the horizon at Walt Disney World. With construction happening throughout the parks, Epcot is radically transforming the front end of the park, while Disney World awaits futuristic video game roller coaster ride. And Animal Kingdom has the possibility of a land reinvention. Beloved resorts are changing and evolving. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's good to finally be all together again. Um, sorry about missing the last one. Uh, for those that are that are joining, John sounds like he's going to cough up a lung. Um, he's been quite ill for the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're happy to have him back. We recorded with uh, possible replacement Marty Ma Maximilian Palmer last week. Um, but we decided that we were going to go ahead with John. We're I'll take that second on. chance. I'll take that second chance. Marty had to go to sleep. And that's the only reason why you're back here this week. All right. Understudy role. I'll take it. <laughs> so Nobody fall asleep, man. Marty's, <laughs> Marty's your replacement. <laughs> if you take a nap. It's, it's, this, this podcast is going to be like basically a version of The Bachelor where we hand out mouseketeer ears. And, uh, you know, John, I'm sorry, your journey comes to an end tonight. I thought it came to an end last week. Well, we wanted to do it face to face. It's like Survivor, Exile, Island. I get like a possible coming back. I'm like in the wings. Wow, we, go. we have done a tangent. <laughs> You're wow. going to be banished to the old abandoned uh, water parks of uh, River Country, USA. Ooh. I don't know. That would be a bad place to be. I don't know. I'd like, I've often thought like, you know, I've, we've taken out those little, those little boats into like Bay Lake. And I've often wanted to just like take them right onto the island of like River Country. And it's all abandonedness and just like get out and walk. Oh, are of you course, talking about know, Discovery like, Island? Discovery Island, yeah, oh, that's yeah. it. River Country's gone, finally, rest in peace. It only rotted for, what, 30 years? Yeah. No, I guess Discovery Island, I, I kind of want to, like, go onto the, because they still have, like, the dock that's still there. So I want to kind of, like, in the little boat, go up to it. And, of course, I've heard that, like, if you get up on the island, like, you would be, like, the probably the mosquitoes are the size of, you know, like, <laughs> flying pigs. And would, you know, you'd probably, you wouldn't survive any sort of uh, infestation there. But beside, beyond that, it would be really cool to see that abandoned place. So, John, not a bad place to be, uh, to be sequestered to. Mm, um, Discovery Island. I don't know. Mosquitoes the size of pigs. pigs. That's pretty terrifying. But mental picture. I, I, we have to create a mental picture for our podcast audience. And so now as we get closer and closer to Halloween, I want people to be thinking about mosquitoes the size of pigs. I think when you go to Discovery Island, it's like lost. You just show up there and the kind of the world changes around you. You try to get off, doesn't let you off. There's a big a smoke, monster. smoke monster. Yeah. <laughs> There's a random sequence of numbers. And the best part is when it finally does end, zero payout. Oh man, that's cruel. As a former Lost fanatic, I will tell you, I think there was incredible payout. So, oh, the, you know what? No, nope, nope, nope. We're not doing this. Matt, come back on track. I think, <laughs> I think we stumbled onto a really good episode idea. Favorite remnant of Disney World past. Um, favorite abandoned uh, Disney item 
that you can still experience in some fashion if you go to the Walt Disney World Resort. Um, there's still hints and traces of things that people loved. I know the one that everybody kind of sees when you come out of the Haunted Mansion is the uh, the tombstone for uh, for Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad, yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, if we can find traces of the old sky bucket rides and things like that, um, that'd be pretty fun. Evidently, there's an old, uh, still abandoned wave machine in the Seven Seas Lagoon where it created very gentle waves um, for the resort guests and for those that were water skiing, which, by the way, could not pay me to do that in, in those lakes. Um, so, yeah, fun fact. Fun fact, indeed. <laughs> So I want everybody to start thinking, not, not you guys, but our listening audience, I want them to start thinking about next week um, and send in uh, their own ideas, their own experiences. Uh, we'll be recording our episode, our uh, Halloween themed episode. And I want people to send in to this happy podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter um, to share when Disney has given them a fright when Disney has given them a scare throughout their lives. Uh, Cause we'll be sharing ours throughout uh, next week's episode. So I want everybody to start thinking about it. Send in your thoughts. When does Disney scare you? It could be anything. It could be from the parks. It could be from various TV shows and movies. I know Paul, John and I, a couple weeks ago, got on a return to Oz rant. Anything Disney related that has scared you throughout your life, please share with us. All right, guys. So this week's theme, you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, There is so much on the horizon with Walt Disney World. Um, And I think, you know, we ran down a list earlier of of what's on the horizon. But I think what we want to do is is discuss what we're most excited about individually. Um, Who wants to go first? I'll do it. Sure. That was a, just a rousing ex- <laughs> uh, competition. <laughs> Usually we're all um, beating down the door to go first. Uh, if there's a long pause, it's because I had to go on mute because none of you need to hear my cough. Um, so I think for me, um, I'm most excited for Epcot's transformation. I- I'm not excited that it's transforming. I would have I think I would have in my sort of most blue sky state like to have seen Epcot reimagined similar to its original vision. But I feel like for the majority of my adult life, Epcot has been awaiting sort of a a shot in the arm. And I think it's being done. Let's, I I don't want to get, I don't want to cause controversy here, but I actually don't think they're going in the worst possible direction. Come on, cause controversy. I could cause controversy. I mean, most Epcot purists hate what they're doing to Epcot. I am kind of right down the middle. I don't think that it's anything, it's not what I would have done, but it's also not an, you know, sort of an abject rejection of, you know, the very concept of Disney and the world is burning down. And if Epcot, you know, so goes Epcot, so goes the world. Like some Disney fans might opine. But it just needs to be done. I, the last time I was there was uh, 2019 and Epcot was a mess and it's 2021. I'm just excited for it to be done. I'm excited for future world or rather world celebration uh, 
world discovery world world nature, world nature. thank you paul um i'm excited for it to be passable again i'm excited for um the infusion what it looks like of of water and greenery um uh i'm excited for that i'm, I'm not necessarily excited for journey to water by moana but i think that if it's done right that could be something that bridges the gap between sort of old school edutainment Epcot and tunified Epcot. Um, so I'm just excited for my favorite park to, to look and feel and function properly again. It's just been so long. I did not like Harmonious at all, but I'm thrilled that there is a uh, nighttime spectacular that at least the technology seems worthy of the park. Maybe the story leaves a lot to be desired, but that technology from my vantage point was incredible. Okay, that's a start. I'm excited that Ratatouille is open. I think it's a perfect fit for the France Pavilion. Great, that's a start. But this long-term reimagining, uh, re it just needs to end because there's so much more that needs to be addressed in, in Disney World. So um, I'm hoping that the next time that I go, I have yet to be to Hollywood Studios uh, since it's re uh, since it's reimagining, only the next time I go, I can get to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, um, and then you know if you kind of if you set what they're doing with Epcot in sort of the Disney World timeline, um, you know you had Animal Kingdom get this huge infusion of life and energy um, five years ago, then you had Hollywood Studios, now you have Epcot, um, and Magic Kingdom's getting Tron, you start to kind of identify, I guess Animal Kingdom would be next. So for me, it's let's get this done. Um, let's get some functionality back to that central spire. Um, I absolutely love what they did with the beacons of magic on Spaceship Earth with those LEDs and that show. And if we could take some, if we could bottle that and some of the actual entrance, which they've done with the fountain, and bring that to the central spire. I, I'm ready to see the new Walt statue that they've promised, Dreamer's Point. I'm thrilled about that. Um, I really like what they did with Space 220. So there's a lot to get excited about here. And I just want things to kind of reach equilibrium at Epcot again. But one thing I will say, I'm not super looking forward to the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster, but that is personal preference because there will be backwards portions and I have a weak stomach. But other than that, that's what I'm most excited about. And, you know, when I start dreaming, I can't wait to sort of walk that path. And, um, you know, the only thing is, Paul, I, I'm worried about that interventions music. It's like hanging by a thread, but. Yeah, it's still there, but it's definitely, it's only, it's only able to be heard in, uh, on the, uh, on the right side. Um, but it what will be, or what is, uh, world nature or, or, uh, yeah, so um, that's, well, we'll see. But yeah, no, I think the other thing too that's going to be neat about it is, well, number one, the construction walls there need to come down. It is very difficult to navigate around those parks now with those construction walls. So if nothing else, it'll be wonderful to actually walk straight after you get out of, uh, after Spaceship Earth, instead of having to, I mean, I liked going around directly, but I didn't like that being the only way that I could get to things. So it will be nice. And actually the water part of the new discovery is actually my favorite thing in 
the Epcot reimagining. So ironically, the thing that you're not as excited about, I am very excited about. Yeah, I didn't tell know. me why, because I want to, I really want to like it. Like, I want to think that they're going to go the direction of sort of edutainment, like with the water cycle, but I'm a little worried they're going to lean too heavily. And I love Moana, love it. I'm just worried. Why, why do you like well, it? Because Well, I think what I like about it is that it takes the Living Seas Pavilion and it extends it out further into the center of the park so that in a way the water part introduces you to the living seas so you kind of get this um, and living seas is that in the land are my two favorite epcot pavilions mm-hmm. um i love so i love this new world nature is like my happy zone in epcot now and i actually kind of like the fact that that's been kind of cornered off as my area and I think the water, which I think actually will introduce both the living seas, but actually now I think about it, will also be an introduction to the land. Right. Um, I, I think that because all life um, in the seas and on the land originates from water. Water mm-hmm. is the source of our life. And so I like the fact that it's building that theming of, of, of life and land of the animals in the sea. So to me, it creates a holistic portrait. Um, I, I've seen the concepts of where, it looks almost like the waterway entrance into that will be somewhat of a, almost like a nature walk. I'm kind of thinking like, I, I, I'm kind of imagining as a miniaturized version of the, of like the safari walks, like the Gorilla Pass and the uh, India Pass in Animal Kingdom. I feel like it'll be a, a smaller version of that where you kind of are walking around. Um, you know, if you've been to an aquarium or something like that, sometimes you walk through like landscapes with water and stuff like that, whether it's the Amazon or the Australian, you know, rainforests of South America, you kind of get that kind of vibe going on there. So I have a feeling it'll be like that, which I think will lead us into the living seas and the land in great ways. Um, so, and I'm kind of, even though they've not announced it, I'm hoping that maybe in time for the 50th of Epcot, that they'll even reimagine further, um, the, um, the Living Seas Pavilion to give more life to it. I love that pavilion. I think it's always been great, but I would love to even see them spend a little more time, you know, just, just even paint up the walls a little bit better if the paint's kind of chipping and all that. So I think that this would be a great infusion of that area. That's why I like it. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think I'd like to see that too. I, I think with all these sort of redos that uh, we were talking about, I just feel like they're 80% of the way there. When Epcot's finally done, you know, you still have the Play Pavilion, which I, seems kind of like what Interventions was, but light. And so I'm not sure if I'm sold on that. And you have the seas and the land, which could use some real solid attention. I think um, I wouldn't like to see major drastic changes, uh, right. uh, you know, but I'd like to see some love. And then I think you got to go back to World Showcase, right? I mean, there's, there, I think you could add a ride here and there. I think Germany show building is still empty. And I feel the same way for Hollywood Studios and for Epcot, which I'm not going to, I won't, we don't need to talk about now, but I just feel like we're so close to fully realizing the potentials of these parks. Um, that uh yeah i get I'm not frustrated but i get excited about what the possible potential could be for like a phase two or three which i know is you know sometimes not always built but it's fun to dream we've got 11 years to our uh, to the 50th of epcot so a lot can happen in that time frame
That's Paul, right. Paul, you jumped in on uh, on John's um, favorite uh, or what he's most looking forward to. Is is something in Epcot yours or is it something different? It is something different, actually. Um, I'm going to go with uh, the Magic Kingdom on this. Um, I actually, so Tron is actually what I'm most looking forward to um, in the future plans. And it's not that future because it's like literally being built. And, um, and, and I was, when I was recently in Tomorrowland, I sat there thinking how the Tron experience continues to make Tomorrowland more Tomorrowlandish. Like Space Mountain is perfect. Like when they when they created Space Mountain in 1975, like they got Tomorrowland right. Um, like they and and, and 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 which is why it's the one Tomorrowland thing that has existed in all the parks, even overseas, albeit in different ways and forms. But tomorrow, but Space Mountain is a thing because it encapsulates so perfectly. I think Tron continues in that, that, that uh, I was thinking, I, I was even looking at it and seeing how, how the, uh, the coaster kind of almost emanates from the Space Mountain Pavilion, almost feeling like it's, it's a part of that magic. Um, uh, that combined with the people mover um, and the Astro Orbiter mission, to, I forget what they call it now, but the, the spinny thing, <laughs> um, you know, that, that thing um, along with Carousel of Progress, um, I think just make a great, now I'm not gonna say anything, this is, this is a happy podcast, but, but a little side note here, you know, what, whatever they've done with Stitch slash Alien Encounters, whatever that, I mean that, okay, not, maybe not so great. I still have no idea why Monsters Incorporated is in Tomorrowland. Unless... That show is incredible. You shut your mouth. But unless there are seemingly, we're going ah, to be invaded right, by right. monsters in our future. Is that what they're saying to me? I'm you're not right. Sure. All they're saying is that tomorrow, James T. James P. Sullivan is going to be underneath your bed. I Do guess so. I guess that's what. To, I mean, yeah, I know. So, and again, why is the why is the speedway still in existence when it was barely tomorrow back when they built it in the 1950s in Disneyland, let alone being tomorrow in the 2020s? I don't know, but, um, but I think Tron though is what I'm looking forward to because I think if that trend continues, then maybe we can transform Tomorrowland into, well, what it's supposed to be, um, a vision of what things can be. I, I love the technology that, I mean, I know they've already built a Tron coaster in other parks in Asia, but I think that this would, I think this will complete the Magic Kingdoms uh, tomorrow, not complete, but it'll, it'll move us forward. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it. And, and, and truth be I told, I, I'm a huge sucker for the Tron Legacy movie. It's one of my, it is actually my favorite live action Disney movie. So um, I, I'm 110% behind anything Tron related. Um, it's just awesome. So I was going to fall in love with it no matter what, but now that it's, now that I'm seeing how it's unfolding, how it's literally being built in the space of Tomorrowland, like, it's funny. I, I actually was just on the Autotopia or Speedway racing. I forget. I, 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 
I, I, I'm not a big fan of it, so I don't even care what the name is. But anyway, the, 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 the diesel engine cars that have no place in tomorrow. Um, while we were on that ride, I, you could see the Tron coaster. Like, it almost looks like it's like invading into the Autotopia space. Like, it's right on the border of it. And it almost looks like it should be shoving it out of the way, which I kind of hope it is because I kind of hope that's the vision. And maybe finally Disney will wise up and say, okay, gas-powered cars are actually not what tomorrow holds and we should get rid of this and expand and do more, uh, you know, visions of what the future holds. So um, anyway, sorry, but I, I, I ranted there in a dream and the happy place. I'm sorry. No, I'm with you. We could rant against a... the Speedway whenever you like. <laughs> but I love the Tron coaster mostly because it is the vision of Tomorrowland that I want to see it continually keep growing and expanding and i want more things like that um because i think if tron does well that might be a signal to disney that's the kind of stuff they need to continue to do throughout the rest of tomorrowland so that's what i am looking forward to so you you're are you happy then because i'm thrilled with the placemaking that has leaked into tomorrowland they're kind of taking out that i don't know what you would even call it it's not steampunk steampunk's what they're kind of putting in but they did a steampunk for a little while. And I know Paris has still got the steampunk, but I think it works great there because they kind of leaned into yeah, the Jules Verne. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great there. Um, I don't think that the Disney World Tomorrowland needs the steampunk. I don't think it it ever, it, it never had it to begin with. So I don't think it was necessary. Um, yeah, I agree. I like the kind of clean white lines that Tron seems to be bringing. Yeah. Well, if it's, Anything, uh, it has, I know it's basically a clone of the one in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, and that one just kind of set this bar for mixing of thrill ride and um, storytelling and music integration with the yeah. Daft Punk soundtrack from Tron oh, Legacy. The Daft Punk soundtrack. I mean, honestly, <laughs> and, and my wife will tell you this, I could listen to that on, on repeat all day long. And, it's a uh, great soundtrack. It is one of the best soundtracks ever put. I mean, as I said, it's my favorite Disney film, live action film. And it is it is also my one of my favorite soundtracks. I just think it's just brilliant. But I think you're right. That ride will bring it together. I'm actually kind of interested because I don't think Disney has done this yet where they've had two thrill rides literally right next to each other. So they'll have Space Mountain right. and the Tron Cycles like like Splash touching and Thunder. Yeah, they're pretty close. You're right. But these, I think, I think might be even closer. Oh, they have to be. I mean, it, it almost looks like the uh, canopy is butting into yeah. the mountain. So I think that's kind of exciting. But, but yeah, definitely cool. Hopefully for crowd control, that will nicely stream out the crowds into two places as opposed to one or the other. So. Well, it's, it's, a beautiful looking ride in Shanghai. And I can't wait to see what that thing looks like at night in Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah. The only thing I'm worried about is the show building. Um, I think the canopy is absolutely jaw dropping, but in Shanghai, there's a huge chunk of the show building that's still visible above it that easily could have been themed. And one of my Disney pet peeves is I'm sort of a stickler for visible show buildings while you're inside the park. 
So I, 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 I'm going to give them a chance. I hope they fix that. The show building already is painted to some degree, and um, it is definitely fadeaway green or fadeaway blue or fadeaway gray. It's so it's not noticeable. In fact, I, I, I didn't see it until I had to see it. So um, they did the same thing with the Guardians. Um, uh, they've done, I mean, they know the one thing Disney does very well is that fadeaway paint that ironically just makes those ginormous, you know, block buildings go invisible to the naked eye. So, yeah. There were days when we were in Disneyland, there were moments, I should say, where Casey and I were in Toontown about 10 years ago, and she couldn't tell the difference between the skyline and the clouds in Toontown and the real clouds. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, Matt, so, what about you? So for my end, I'm very much looking forward to the Tron ride, the late cycle, late cycle ride. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, similarly, I'm also looking forward to the overlay. I know I've talked about this quite a bit on the show, but I'm looking forward to the overlay of Splash Mountain so that it becomes uh, the Tiana Princess and the Frog Ride. Um, I'm really curious whether they continue to follow suit with a lot of their other animatronics um, that they've done over the years. One of the things about um, you know the early animatronics is they have a charm. Up until like the late 80s, there's a specific look and feel to the Disney Imagineer animatronics. And in the last, say, seven or eight years, since the debut of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, they've done a lot of projection mapping on faces. Uh, you see it on Frozen Ever After as well with, with Anna and Elsa and, and any of the human characters. Um, and so like, I'm really curious whether they go that route or they maintain the classic animatronic look for the characters of Princess and the Frog. Um, personally, I would prefer if they did that as opposed to doing the projection mapping, to me that takes me out of the, uh, the experience. Because the, 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 if you see the characters at a certain angle, the face looks flat and doesn't really pop out. Um, there's something really wonderful when an animatronic kind of um, really comes in, you know, it looks like, a, looks like it's, it's built as, an, uh, as a robot, but at the same time um, has life to it. And I feel like, that's when Disney excels is when they when they do classic old school animatronics. So I'm looking forward to what they do with that ride. They haven't been they've been a, a, they've held everything close to the vest in terms of what um, what they're doing in terms of uh, story. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that. I know I've got my own dreams and where that where that how the original story and the new story could could mesh together and utilize some of the classic songs from that movie. So I'm looking forward to that, but I got to say also, just to just as a bonus one, I'm really uh, happy that they have removed Primeval World from Dino Land USA over in Animal Kingdom. Um, I won't say the land that I would like to take over in that area. Don't you dare. I'm not. I'm not. Regular listeners will know exactly where I'm going with that. But um, that is my least favorite part of any Disney park. Is that area over? Obviously, like you have a really great attraction with Dinosaur, but all of those other attractions feel like you can get that in any other Disney park. Um, you know, they, they got a Dumbo ride uh, with Triceratops, that kind of thing. Um, it feels very Carnival Barkish, um, and that is not up to the level of other Disney Disney uh, 
Disneyland's Disney attractions. Um, and I feel like they, they have an opportunity to see what else they could kind of knock down and, and look forward to whether it's an Indiana Jones land or something like that, you know, that they could possibly carry over dinosaur and, and make it the, make it copy somewhat the, the Indiana Jones attraction from Disneyland. I think there's a lot of room to, uh, to grow that area. Um, so I'm looking forward to, to Disney saying, you know, we're not done just with this attraction. We're going to reimagine that whole area. And I, I know that there has to be some kid-friendly attractions at Animal Kingdom because there's, the attractions themselves are kind of few and far between in that park. Um, but what it is now just ain't it. And uh, I feel like the possibilities are endless, uh, especially with some of their IPs that they have. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I agree. If nothing else, it's a net gain having Primeval Whirl uh, or Primeval Hurl or the uh, free chiropractor, as I've heard other people uh, refer to it, uh, gone. Um, and Disney doesn't just demolish things to not replace them. Um, they didn't demolish River Country. They just closed it. You know, they could have just closed Primeval World and had it sit there for a while. The fact that they're demolishing it makes me real happy. Like, we got to be, there's got to be some plan for the area. There's got to be something. Now, here's, here's a little bit of a pushback slash question for you, Matt. Because I agree in premise, because I'm not a fan of that. But here's the other thing. It is part of the story. And Disney does the story. And so there is a story to Dino Land USA about how it was a, you know, um, this was a paleontological find. Uh, they created this area and then it became, and then they kind of wanted to evoke the, the 1950s roadside attractions that popped up in like the, in, in, in the Western United States. And, you know, so you had these carnivals that got set up um, they had the Sinclair, Sinclair gas stations. Um, so you kind of, um, so I, I, um, I, I'm just curious what, um, you'd think about how the story would, uh, would, would you imagine them changing the story altogether or, um, would you imagine them, uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't realize there was a story there. Um, when I went in there. <laughs> When I went in there, I just was like, okay, this is uh this is boardwalk attraction fair. Yeah. Um, well, and that's the and, and I'll admit that's part of the I would one thing I would say is that when Animal Kingdom opened in, in 1998, um, it was they, they they definitely emphasized their story. I felt I felt that in the recent years they have not kept their storytelling of that land up. Um, as it probably was when it was first there. Um, so yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be easy to imagine what that story is. But yeah, that, that land has a whole story to it um, that you know the Imagineers definitely developed. Oh, I think yeah. when, I, when I met uh, Scrooge McDuck and Launchpad McQuack, I, I definitely knew that there wasn't a story about dinosaurs in that, in that land. <laughs> Uh, but even that did have a story. It did. Dino, D Donald's di Donald's Dino Bash. He had old relatives who were dinosaurs, and so he was having a he was having a party to celebrate that he had found his long lost relatives, who were related to birds, which were dinosaurs. So yeah. there Disney is story. Could, I agree. Disney could create a contrived backstory for just about anything. Oh yeah, and I appreciate backstory very, very much, but it's got to be 
it's it, backstory supports doesn't kind of cover. I right? wish that Disney did. But one thing I wish that they did is I wish they would tell their stories better because they are because one thing is imagineering. The Imagineers are brilliant. I just want to say a shout out to the Imagineering department at Walt Disney World or at the Disney Company. Uh, Imagineering is really the core and the foundation of the Disney Company. Um, it's where Walt was from and all that. So this is uh, so I love when they tell that story. I think that it would be helpful to share more stories because I think that they add depth to it. I know that many people go to the parks just to be entertained, but a Six Flags park can entertain you. Universal Studios can entertain you. What Disney does best, what Walt did best was tell stories. Yeah. I think that we get farther from the vision and therefore become just as ordinary as anything else is when we don't share the stories. And therefore you get a point where you're like, yeah, get rid of that land because it, it's stupid. And it's true. I agree. I, I'm not a big fan of the story either. I think that the story they tell wasn't the best story, which is probably also why it's not a good, it, the land didn't work. Um, and I think they, somebody should have stopped to realize making a story in a theme park about a cheap theme park of the 1950s was probably not going to make sense to a lot of people. Like many of the right. other stories, well, that one kind of like somebody- oh, they had a, to add attractions on the cheap. We, we, we know that, that that was, I think that the, uh, the edict got read out to, to Joe Rody, which was, you know, we had three opening day attractions. We got to add, we got to add something. That was an easy way to add. add yeah, attractions. it probably was. So, I mean, yeah. but no, I'm with you, Paul. I agree. I mean, the story is what makes it a theme park, not an amusement park. I'd like to see, I know that there's the Imagineering field guides that are books that are published that are essentially park companions. I'd like to see like a big old coffee table book that goes through the story of the park and each ride in it and how, how the, those rides contribute to the story of the land. Like Disney, Disneyland Paris's frontier land is the perfect example of that. Literally every aspect of it is wrapped up in a singular story. And there are, um, it's like an album. It's like, you know, when there's, when there's an, like those old rock albums that had a story and you picked up on the subtle cues of the story throughout the different songs. <clears throat> That's how the, um, the lands yeah. are. So I agree. I know, I'd like to see that. I actually, when I walk through Thunder Mountain, I actually am one of those weirdos who does hold up the line sometimes because I'm taking, I actually take pictures of the, of the things that are hanging on the walls as quick as I can so that when I go back home, I can flip through all my pictures and read the story that they're trying to tell me while I'm standing in line. Cause there is a lot of depth, like to the Thunder Mountain Railroad, when they reworked the, the queue, they added elements of the story and they, they added little details you don't notice unless you're staring at it. I wanted to read those stories. And I, I John, I thought the same thing. So, so Jim Corcus or Theme Park Press, if you're listening to us, that's the next idea for a book right there is tell, I want a book of the stories of the rides and the lands, because I think we need to go back to appreciating them. I'm sorry, Matt, we went off, I went off on a rant on your, on, on your great thing about what you're imagining, but it is something that, that, that occurred to me is that it is, a, it is, it would, it, it would be, we would need to figure out how to deal with the story breakage that that now would happen. And I agree, it's, 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 it's necessary, but how do we then reconcile that? And we're gonna let Matt talk again in just a second, but Paul, this is why Zootopia cannot be a land in Animal Kingdom. It doesn't work with the story. 
oh, but it can. Dinosaurs went extinct, but all the other animals continued. And they became and evolved and started- and got put in the zoo. Walk. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it's seamless. Or they went extinct, and then Anna Jones and his crew are trying to find all the bones throughout the land. Yes. Uh, one of those two things is going to work. Um, but the dinosaurs have to go bye-bye. Um, I'll say that. I'll say that. Um, so we each brought our passion to this episode. Um, and I want to make sure that everybody, in, if they have, uh, want to share what they're excited about, you know, land, ride reinventions, new rides, new attractions, whatever you're excited about, please share it with us on our social media. Um, come to uh, send emails to uh, this, happy, this happy podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and, so, uh, and Twitter. Um, we are on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, TuneIn. So if you stumbled on this, hit that follow or subscribe button. Make sure you're sharing with your friends, rate us, um, give us a review that'll help us climb in the rankings and uh, we will definitely appreciate that guys any fi final or closing thoughts from you as we we close out this episode I'm most looking forward to what our listeners are going to bring in for next time about what uh, what scares them what frightens them what what gives them a chill uh, in the parks uh, get it I, I think we need to we need to get ourselves ready for for uh, for Halloween, and so uh, it'd be kind of funny to see. Ironically, what you know, I, is this a happy chill? I don't know because if this is a happy podcast, is it a happy chill? Or happy haunts, Paul? Happy haunts, exactly. I, you know, what I think we should make next week interesting. One, I'd say let's let's all have a beverage of choice and drink every time there's a haunted mansion reference. Yes, yes. So uh, we'll bring back our favorite segment too of what's uh, what's making us happy in Disney this week. But we'll we'll uh, do a what's scaring us at Disney this week. Ooh, I like that. I like that. So bring your deepest fears to our podcast next week. Um, we are so glad and happy that you join us each and every week. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, everybody. We will see you real soon. We'll see you real soon, everyone.